Welcome back, everybody. Oh, she's getting real aggressive on the mic already. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the analysis. This is just Bob. We're going to chat with a couple buddies of mine that were in a show with me. Uh, We just ran through November in a show called Cosmic Events Are Upon Us. I almost forgot the title. (laughs) Um, So, yes, Cosmic Events Are Upon Us was a show we did, and it was about the Russian Revolution, uh, which brought us the – you don't care. Um, Anyway, it's over now. We had a great time. But uh, in in talking about my podcast, there were a couple buddies that were in the show that said, hey, we were in a – indie horror film maybe you guys should do a podcast episode about our indie horror film and have us on so i said that sounds like a lot more interesting than uh, me and hayes just talking about south park so uh they're here with me today and we literally just screened their movie from 2013 which is called the gateway or also curtain outside of the united states outside of the united states in in south korea and japan and (laughs) wherever else they like weird indie horror films uh so it's north korea it's also the gateway just in just North, in North Korea. Just North Korea. Okay. In the United States. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, that's uh, let's tell you something. No. So anyway, I have Martin Monahan with me here and Tim Lukey. Hey, it's Tim. Hey, hey. <laughs> and uh, as always, uh, or not as always, but I have Bobby Peterson here. Off to a bumpy start. Uh, Bobby Peterson here. What's up? What's up? And he is my resident horror film slash. Anything weird and twisted and perverted and, and, you know, general debauchery, I'll bring him on and, and we'll talk about that. And for the first time ever, ladies and gentlemen, old Zondi, Caitlin Zondor, stepping in. She wants to be on the pod. Why, hello. Nice. Uh, so, yes, we, we just screened the film and uh, let's let's jump into it. So... This film was directed by, let me get my notes up here. What was the guy's name? Jaron? Jaron. Henry McRae? Yep. Okay, crushing the names tonight. <laughs> and uh, it was done in 2013. Can you guys just get us started with how the project came about, uh, how you got involved in the project? The, uh, I know that there was a good amount of people from Ball State in Indiana where you guys went to school. Uh, so, yeah, just kind of get us started with a little bit of background information before we get into Well, we all went to school together, and um, my senior year, he cast me in a movie, Jaron did, and we made it. We won a Student Academy Award. Hey! Nice. Uh, bigger than that, greater than that. We, we really enjoyed working together and making weird stuff and had a lot of the same sensibilities. So we've been making stuff together ever since. And uh, I'm always lucky enough to be given a part in whatever he makes. So cool, cool. That's how I got on board. And uh, Jaron and I both were in New York together. He and I did a couple projects at Ball State. And when he was a Columbia film student, he had me help him out with some of the uh, some of his like projects that he had at Columbia for his film class. And so he and I en- uh, ended up enjoying working together. And he wanted to do another full-length feature. And... He would pitch me some ideas. He was basically taking, lifting parts of my life uh, to build into a script. And he sent me a couple scripts with the idea. Uh, I was really stoked about having somebody of his caliber, like, interested in writing something for me. And um, one of the stories he, he gave me was was this idea of Curtain. And we talked about it for a long time. And a bunch of, thi- bunch of changes happened. 
and uh, after a lot of conversation and a lot of rewrites on his part and work on his part and Karis, his wife, uh, also the co-writer of the script, uh, we started like getting ready. And he cast some. He cast um, Martin as usual, and uh, and his wife Danny in the lead yeah. role as yeah. Danny. Yes, that's true. Danny is not with us tonight because I forgot to invite her. So very, very unprepared. Yes, exactly. As as typical of this podcast, very unprepared and and and, and fumbly. And uh, we all got together. We have a Jets pizza that we finished before we watched the movie. And someone asked, "Oh, why isn't the lead star in the movie, who's also just happens to be down the street, why isn't she here tonight?" And I said, "I just didn't think to." We need some good bro time. Yes, yeah, bro time. Um, so uh, yes, but Danny is in in the movie as well. Who is Martin? Mohannon's yeah. uh, wife, yeah. and <laughs> and uh, she's great. She was really nice in this, and and, I, and I've met her before, but I, yeah. yeah, I thought she was really. Good. Tim Tim had always talked about her talent uh, a lot more than you ever have. Uh, um, yeah. But uh, well, yeah, I, I thought she was one really. Thing to keep in mind is that it is sexually transmitted, and uh, <laughs> oh, okay. well, the, the, the talent is sexually we're, transmitted. We're married, so she's just gotten all of mine. That's correct. Um, correct. Through. Oh, great, great. Uh, so this, uh, so this movie uh, is, is. I mean, in terms of its budget, it's pretty. Do you guys know the budget off the top of your head? Are you able to speak to that? But yeah, it's something what? like forty thousand. Jeez, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Well, I mean, it, it seems like it is, but it's not. Um, in terms <laughs> of film, I mean, what is that? Just basically the camera is what you get for forty thousand dollars. When we went to festivals, what I what I heard from him was he would kind of talk up other people's movies, and uh, there was always kind of an outcry in a kind of a positive way about how people enjoyed Curtain, and because its budget was a fraction, a very small fraction of what every other movie's budget was. Oh, okay. So we're so talking many, many times over, many multiples of what our, our budget was over for another what's considered to be a low budget film. Yeah, usually a, a usually a low budget, you'll have two hundred and fifty k some okay. around that ballpark. All right. So this pretty pretty cheap. So as I'm watching this, I'm thinking of a few different um, a few different things in my head, and the the first thing I'm thinking is just how uh, important and Bobby and you can really speak to this because you're a huge fan of the genre but the indie horror film is a very special thing to to cinema really to at this point uh, in, in terms of cult classics and in terms of so the first few things I'm thinking of are Evil Dead and I'm thinking of Blair Witch Project because I'm thinking of just in terms of budget wise you know, um, and I actually have a, I don't know if I told you guys this when we were doing the show, but uh, my aunt, one of her very best friends, was in The Evil Dead. And it was made by Sam Raimi, who's Michigan alum. And so I'm from Michigan. And Ellen Sandweiss is the younger sister who gets uh, treed, yeah. we'll just say. Um, and um, she, and so she, uh, so, you know, she, was a sophomore, I think, or she was a y- underclassman, and all, all the older classmen, like kind of a, a little bit about what you were saying with you guys in Duran, where just people in school have a little bit of a passion, or kicking around ideas, and they said, hey, I, we need a younger sister, and you kind of have a lo- younger look, will you come with us? And she just kind of did it over summer vacation, yeah. did it, pun intended, um, but uh, <laughs> uh, but they, uh, you know, she kind of went up there, and it's 
probably the most interesting thing that's ever happened to her. She still goes to festivals. She right. still signs autographs and meets people and, and, and stuff like that. And I mean, and so I was, I was just kind of like thinking about that in terms of budget and how it's really cool that you guys mentioned that in, in terms of just, yeah, we just had an idea. We had a little bit of a passion and, and you know, those are, it's really cool how things get whipped up and started like that. So good for you guys for, for having the, the 40k uh, to go through with it <laughs> so small i mean i'm when i watch this i'm looking at all the shots where i'm pulling focus and going you know oh um, shit no fuck you're going soft God. small yeah smaller martin smaller i don't i don't even notice scenes with me in them i just notice all the parts where i did something technical and i'm like god damn you fucking shit yeah because with theater acting is c- completely different than what you do it's on on film it's yeah, just, yeah. It's just, yeah, I feel like I didn't. I mean, I didn't have a lot very of critical of your own. Pop, I would pull focus or help change lenses or whatever, and then I'd pop in contacts and do. Oh, do so a, you guys were wearing many hats tapes. on this product? Oh yeah, there's nobody. I mean, uh, the Tim's guy. Legs. We got Tim's legs in there. Yeah. <laughs> so Tim's character and Danny's character run away from Willie, uh, who I originally thought should have been played by Martin, but then. I had not met the pale man yet, uh, but uh, yeah. So you guys ran away from Willie, and then some people walk up on, walk up on Willie in the forest, and it was basically you again. I think it's but just in, I think it's me and you and line producer Vadim Lumiu. Yeah. So basically, none of the none of the actors that play the characters whose legs were in that shot were present at yeah, that time. So uh, it was filled in by whoever was present, and that's kind of the way the movie went. So if we didn't have somebody to do a uh, to do a bounce light for a shot then one of us would be holding the pizza uh the pizza yeah, reflector the, bouncer, um, the dp the uh director and one of the co-writers are all the same man in this because oh, okay there's no crew there's a sound guy and me and tim and danny dang and our line producer and uh, uh peterson did you have any any uh, initial thoughts before we dig into kind of the the how it was done or just get into plot or anything in general did you have just any first uh first observations uh first observations especially the the whole prologue scene i felt like all the the shots were pretty creative um not 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 too much it was cut and dry as per usual for a lot of indie horror movies um, there was definitely a lot of thought put into perspective, especially the scenes in the bathroom because the bathroom is tiny. You got to be creative. Shots from above, shots from below, nothing dead on, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah, that was really insightful. I didn't even think to say that. Zondi. Saying no coverage type. Our our last movie, Pervertigo, had like 800 shots in it. Oh, Pervertigo was a movie. I thought you kept saying that. I thought it was something like almost Trey Parker, Matt Stone. Where you're like, gotta see Pervertigo. Gotta see Pervertigo. No, no, no. That was our first movie before this one. That was the one that won the student uh, award or whatever? No, that won no awards. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was... that Pervertigo has no awards? No. <laughs> unfortunately. That, that was Jaren's first film that, yeah, that Martin yeah. starred in. Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's his, his whole thing. It's like, there's no coverage. There's no OTS. There's no... We're not, okay. doing, we're not doing that. So, cool. He, yeah, he's, he's really good at... He's really good. I, that's one of the things I like watching is I, I love his shots and the transition the end between stuff is, is always really cool. Yeah, those were pretty clean, yeah. I felt. I felt Is most of his stuff horror? Does he kind of live in that space, or does he ever think to do an indie drama? Or? Uh, this was his first horror. His whole thing is just kind of weird. Just, <laughs> just a general weirdness. It's always, it's always kind of quirky, 
different type stuff. So yeah, I think I think this is the first horror, or I'm not even sure what qualifies something as horror. I guess it deals with the occult or something. Maybe I don't know. I think if it uh, has like know. tub monsters and and like <laughs> I don't know. Tub, yeah, yeah, tub yeah. But yeah, it's, it's weird, weird stuff. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I mean, you'd be able to speak a little bit to this, Bobby, but um, the idea that there's a the horror genre, the low budget horror genre, is like a playground for directors' ideas and visions. So like, you can muck around and play around with a horror movie because it has such a really uh, loyal fan base. It you can make those movies on a low budget. Because it's all about ambiance and story and, uh, yeah, and being surprised, that kind of thing. So you can, you can operate on a fairly low budget. And I think that's one of the reasons why he selected this. So he could, he could do what he does in just a specific genre that would kind of cradle what he, what he does. Absolutely. Uh, one thing that's really big in the horror genre, especially, again, indie horror, is a lot, you see a lot of writer-directors. These are passion projects. It's not just like a director taking someone else's story and trying to add their own spin to it. No, it's like cradle to the grave. It's it's their own thing, which is really cool. And that's why I was excited to see the the credits there. You know, uh, Jaron, you know, wrote and directed it, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. It's pretty common. Yeah. What do you think, Zandi? Well, I definitely thought it was pretty weird <laughs> <laughs> and creepy. Yeah, you had a few I, jumps, and yeah, a, oh my god, what was that? Yes, and I felt bad for Tim. Well, okay, can't <laughs> and spoil Danny. Oh, well, oh, 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 that the fact that they just yeah, I can always edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> you felt bad for Tim and Danny. Yes. And and you were pretty scared in general. In general. Cool. So, uh, in terms of the plot, to get in, into the plot, because we've talked about how it was made and in our general opinions of horror, but this movie, Gateway slash Curtain in Korea. Uh, is uh, about a younger girl, a young professional named Danny, who has just moved into an apartment. And uh, we kind of, st- well, first we start off with, and I don't think this is a spoiler too much, is we 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 see the first tenant, and uh, he's dealing with a spooky bathroom, and let's just say he's not the tenant for very much longer in the in the apartment and so danny moves in and she's setting up and she's doing the usual thing where she's uh drinking some beers and playing a little little bowling with uh with some spool of yarn and she sets up the curtain in the the bathroom the shower curtain to which uh bobby said i wonder what the curtain budget was like on this movie (laughs) little did i know how many curtains you would see in this movie? We were on two or three, and I was like, this is a lot of curtains. Yeah, yes, because <laughs> she sets up the curtain, leaves, closes the door, come back, comes back in the next morning, and the curtain's gone. Hmm, that's odd, but not terribly odd to where she's frightened, or she she may have think some, she, she originally assumes that the super has taken the curtain, possibly, but goes and buys another curtain, and then comes back in, few moments later the curtain's gone so which is the point in the movie when you realize when you're watching it with an audience if they're going to like it or if they're going to hate it because if they laugh during that shot where it lifts up because it's this big horror movie shot but it's mm-hmm. it's showing you that her shower curtain's gone yes it's the stupidest thing in the world 
<laughs> but the but the drama yeah. in the in the in so the eyes. if they know it's okay to laugh at that, they'll they'll love it. Oh man, I wonder what it's like. like. You know, if they're like, what? Like what? You know, they're you're like, uh, you're not gonna get this. Don't. Uh, not to get too off topic, but how is it watching a screening of your film versus being an actor live on stage performing a piece of theater? So is it? Do you get more nervous, less n- nervous? Because I feel like myself, if you can control your performance. You can heighten it. You can, you know, tone it down depending on your gauging, your your gauge of the audience. But as as someone, it's already in the can. Yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's fucking a, horrible at first. <laughs> at first, it's fucking horrible. It's the worst thing because all you're gonna see is the stuff you don't like. Yeah. You you but, uh, I I have I've I've done enough where I've just learned to be okay with looking at that and going, God, you're terrible. I, uh, I, I agree with the first time watching. I had a very difficult time watching it for the first time. And the first time I watched it was in L.A. Uh, for one of the premieres over there. And uh, it was hard to watch, to, to feel the way I felt with an audience because then I knew all of them watched it as well. But in subsequent viewings, uh, like so I, L.A. was the first time I saw it and New York was, I think, the second time I saw it with an audience. And in New York, uh, the nervous thing that you're asking about, it was very similar to being on stage. The major difference is, is that it's weirder because you can't change the outcome. It's always going to be what you had done already and what had been edited together. Mm-hmm. So it's still that the nerves are still there, but it's uh, it's kind of it's a very it's much more helpless feeling of nervousness r- nervousness rather than like I hope I don't mess this up. It's like okay, here we go. I wonder how it's going to be taken. Yeah, it's always weird with those. V- uh, Filmings are the are the are the viewings at least because we go to a few at the Music Box, which is a, a kind of a, a place where you can go and see a, 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 an early viewing of, of an indie movie, or sometimes a director or an actor will show up and do a talk back, and so it's very much a different different atmosphere than just someone that's watching on Amazon or like watching even just a, a regular screening of the movie. So people are just kind of a little more into it, I feel, than they otherwise would be if their guard was completely down. So those are interesting kind of audiences to watch in front of in general. They're the best audiences because they're there because they want to be, and they love that genre. They know what they're getting themselves into, and they know what to expect to a degree. And so there, there's this uh, familiarity that everybody has when they're watching it. They're just they, they know the they know the vocabulary of these kinds of movies, and mm-hmm. so they will recognize it. And there's that moment of recognition where they're just they're delighted about it, or they or they groan, or they. Or they, they just react in, in really wonderful ways because they already know kind of what they're in store for. And they're really fun to, in that sense, they're the best audiences to watch with because they, they're they there for that reason. That's why they're there. How about us? You're great. <laughs> this was a little a little mini, uh, little mini <laughs> taste of that again, Tim. So hopefully you weren't too nervous uh, uh, dealing, especially dealing with our dog uh, all the way from the shower curtain at your feet. Um, but... So uh, back into the plot again. Um, so Danny, uh, Danny has a buddy. We 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 find out that Danny is kind of a, one of those people, uh, almost kind of a Greenpeace person. Uh, but this time it's it's Save the Whales, but it's not called Save the Whales because that would be copyright infringement. So it's so so one of the things I didn't actually didn't know this uh, phrase before. I don't know if it's a phrase that's primarily used in the UK or not. But in one of the reviews, they they frequently called what these guys do uh, chuggers, which is a combination of charity and muggers. So they're the guys in the, the, guys in the street with the clipboards that attack you when you're trying to just go to work saying, hey, do you have a moment to talk about this and to donate some money? And you never really want to talk to them. And sometimes they, they keep you, they, they like talk to you so much that you have to stay or you, it's hard to get away from them. So 
Danny, by day, uh, she left her job at the hospital and she begins working for this uh, Save the Whales group. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you see that uh, she's unpacking one of her boxes, or she's she's back at her uncle's house where she used to stay, and she's unpacking a box and she sees some old scrubs, and it you could tell on the look on her face that uh, it, it's a painful uniform that she used to wear, and you're going, oh, I wonder why someone would leave a nice nurse job or some sort of doctor job some sort of job at a hospital to go you know work on the street like this but uh back into the plot uh they they're uh, so you meet tim lukey the character um uh, not the actor and that was interesting that he just decided to basically use all your names or both of your names i really wanted to play tim lukey (laughs) <laughs> but your name wasn't Tim I didn't, get, I didn't get the part yeah, I, read, I read for Tim Lukey and I uh, just didn't yeah didn't work out so. unfortunate yeah and then and then you couldn't even get Willie I couldn't get Willie I couldn't I, uh, originally the pale man was not the pale man until uh, shortly before we started shooting he was Kevin and he was a real man and he was just like head redneck guy and then oh, you were like one of the there was because you have a pack of yeah, rednecks. Yeah, the language was totally punk. different. And then uh, right before we started shooting, we got a new draft. And I'm like, uh, oh, here's this huge whoa. character that you have to develop tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, I well, how are we gonna do this? They're like, oh, we don't know. So, so in the in the process of trying to solve, you know, they, they so that the Tim. Uh, Mr. Save the Whales, Mr. Greenpeace, which is definitely you in general, because you're, you're, it just seemed like a, a lot of what Tim Lukey would do around New York in his spare time. Am, am I wrong on this? He said uh, he was trying to, to, to write for you. and So interesting, a uh, little bit of backstory behind the scenes situation is that uh, originally the role of Danny was actually Tim, and so the roles were reversed. Oh, yeah. The original script, uh, so he was writing for me. He was, uh, I, I, disliked my job and was generally unhappy in my life uh in new york at that particular time and so he wrote this character who was really down on their luck and uh something crazy happens to them and so originally the the main character of the movie is danny and it's played by danny um the original script the uh roles were the same but the names were switched so tim was originally in the role of danny uh, i'm not sure if that makes any sense no no so was she still it was her apartment she was moving into so in the original script, Tim moved into a new depart- new apartment. Oh, so it was Tim. So it was supposed to be you moving into the new apartment, and you're the one trying to figure out, and she was yep. the one helping you. And so, you know, when when Jaren and Karis were both working on the film, uh, Karis made the brilliant idea of switching those lead roles and making the female the lead. And so instead of there being some uh, pixie dream girl pining after some dude for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, those roles were reversed, and I think it makes for a much more interesting film to have like the heroine be the focus and this other dude just kind of hanging around. It's yeah, it makes it makes a lot more sense, and it's a lot more interesting to watch uh, uh, an odd little guy follow around a girl he's in love with instead of the other way around. Yeah. Right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, good, good choice. Yes, good choice. And you are an odd little guy. Uh, it was cute. Zandi, Zandi, Zandi liked it. Um, so yeah, so then he tries to help her and they paint, you know, uh, call Tim and Danny if you find the shower curtain and the next day they get a call from Willie and we're off to the races in terms of meeting a whole bunch of different crazy characters, uh, in quest of what this gateway means and, uh, what happens on the other side. 
And that's where we bump into one of our favorite characters to love, the Pale Man, who is a protector of the gateway of sorts, or a protector of the woods. Yes, and a former destro- uh, attempted destroyer of the gate. Oh, oh that, that, well, that was, was that implied? But, yeah, because there's a, there's a tight shot of me going, no, we can't destroy it because the gate will defend itself. It'll, it'll punish you if you try to destroy it. Uh, I was just too busy looking at all how weird you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think my white contacts are the most expensive prop in the movie. Oh, really? <laughs> how much were they? I think they were like four hundred dollars. Four hundred to the four thousand. Someone do the quick math. Is that? They have to be like custom made, and you can't see out of them. Oh yeah. So anytime I have those in, which is the whole movie, mm-hmm. I can't see anything. Like they have to like aim me at people I'm talking to. <laughs> they have me like walking across the room, and I'm you know you're supposed to be strong and still, and mm-hmm. uh, you know I'd be like bumping into shit. <laughs> Yeah, well, half this movie takes place in the woods at nighttime. Yeah, I and so I'm just, while some, while Martin's holding a Bowie knife. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> there were there were some shots of uh, I don't think they were used so much of me running through the woods with my knife, and uh, I I ran face first into some trees because because oh, the crew was so small. No one was watching. Hey, for... hey, Martin! Martin, shut the down! It was very much like that. It was very yeah, much like that. Yeah. There, we, we all kind of forgot about Martin at times because you assume everybody can see you because everybody else can and yeah. you just, you're just you working on something else and then all of a sudden Martin's walking through a tree with a bowie knife in his hand. Oh, yeah. Man. yeah. Were there any other good Andy stories? I'm feeling like we're... So so one of them... I, I can't tell the one where you're in here. Can I... So we'll just say that, uh, that we... That, Tim and Danny like go searching through the woods to find the origin of the shower curtain, and they they meet up with some crazy characters and find out some more uh, interesting stuff about the the uh, the lore of this shower curtain situation, and it ends up being a, a huge adventure that that doesn't really end well. Yes. For uh, for a couple of characters. Sad. Sad. Very sad. <laughs> Can you elaborate? <laughs> it's okay. You're doing great. Um. So yeah. So that that's that's the plot in the nutshell. Without trying to to spoil too much of it, but you know, you get some scares. You uh, you you have some general uh horror movie moments where you know you see a character in the door and then the door closes and there's something spooky behind it or maybe a curtain moves. I don't want to give away too much, but you have some general horror fright that, that uh, if you're into that sort of thing, um, no boobs, as Martin said. Which was like critique number one from everyone. Like, where's the boobs? We're like, but we got, you know, little monster puppets and things. But yeah, but there's no boobs. Yes, yes. They're going to have, like, blood on them or blood coming out of them or, you know, like a devil sucking on them. Or <laughs> <laughs> We're like, all right. I was okay without them. Yeah, Sandy was okay without them. <laughs> yeah, it, as, as it should be. Uh, apparently, if they're there, which Pervertigo proved wrong, uh, your, your movie has, like, a thousand times greater... Of a chance of getting distribution. Oh, really? <laughs> I guess. Wow. I guess there are enough boobs out there. Yeah. That's, Interesting. That's what we've learned through our years of filmmaking. Is uh, no matter how how free and how plentiful the internet can make them, they, they need to be wherever they can be placed. Correct. 
I guess. Yeah, apparently. But uh, uh, so let's get into Bobby. Do you, in terms of criticisms, were there some things that that you uh, had? Because I know Tim's been really wanting us to to dig into these criticisms. He doesn't want us to be too polite. No. So oh, I'm trying to think of something bad to say about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, because no. it's not perfect. No, no, it's not no, perfect. No, no. And I hope I hope all. Uh, 60 of our listeners will go and, and, and give this a look. And it is on Amazon. I looked it up. It's it's four ninety nine on Amazon and four ninety nine on iTunes. So it's accessible. And that's that's a place where you can get it's more accessible than this podcast. So you got the runtime? You want to tell them the runtime? Oh go ahead. Seventy four minutes. Yeah, it's a quick watch. Not a big time commitment. Not a big time commitment. I didn't fall asleep. Yeah. It's two minutes longer than Pootie Tang. Hey. <laughs> Made by the late the great Louis C.K. Uh-huh. <laughs> Louis C.K. made Pootie King? Yeah. That directed it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Did not know that. Which I did think was a very funny movie. But okay, correct. So I just want uh, to say, put that out there. I, I love Pootie Tang. I really do. Also, go watch some Pootie Tang. Uh, Peterson, uh, in terms of you're, you're my horror guy. You're my degenerate. You're my, you're my debauch buddy. So do you have any criticisms out of the gate? Uh... One thing I did like about it, just from a story perspective, and I guess also from a movie watching experience, um, and again, it seems like we're kind of going spoiler free on this. Mm-hmm. There are some cool hints dropped at things that happened in the third act, which is really cool that I didn't see foretelling anything later on in the movie. Um, there's one that you brought up when we're watching that I'm not going to say on this one, but. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something bad to say about it. <laughs> I'm just for my for myself. Uh, as much as we were talking about uh, the indie horror movie and, and and its place in cinema and and how it is important, I never jive with these movies. Um, I I know that if I didn't know because I I was entertained because I knew you guys. Uh, and I was like, oh, fuck, what the fuck is he doing with those contacts in his face? And like, oh, Tim. And, um, but uh, uh, the, the, I found, Tim, your character to be just the, the writing of him. He's so over the top, uh, green PC guy. And, you know, you, you cut to his room and he's got three different Save the Whales <laughs> posters and a drawing. Yeah. And, you know, he sketches in his little sketchbook. And it's like, oh, God, the, like every cliche of this, like, uh, uh, turd kind of dude. Uh, I, I just thought, I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. Um, I thought Danny had a lot more layers, but I didn't know, I didn't really feel, and I may have missed it, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I didn't know if they were necessarily explored. Like, she left the, she left the job in the nursing home because she just couldn't watch people die anymore. Is that, that's kind of what's implied, but. Yeah, so there, uh, as with many scripts and movies, there are things that needed to be cut for a variety of reasons, and uh, there are, I don't know if we'll ever see them, um, but there were some other other scenes that were in there. It's not really worth talking about, I, don't, I guess, but just a, a lay that... Character explanation. Yeah, a little bit more character exploration about why she left and what she went through and why, why she was kind of messed up as a result of it. And uh, they, they kind of they cut away a bunch of stuff to allow for a lot of room for interpretation and a lot of room for kind of a little bit of mystery around the situation. So I think if you go back and see some other uh, cult films, you see a lot of unanswered questions that people really end up hooking into. 
And I think ultimately that was the goal, was to kind of make sure that these people had their backstories in place and they were there, so if anything does come out of it, then there can be more explanation later on if necessary, and you can explore the characters a little bit more. Okay, I, I see that. I, I, can, I can see that point, and not everything needs to be answered. I'm not the guy that needs to have every question that's brought up answered. I just saw Arrival which was uh, Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. And it's, it's, it, that's a sci-fi, uh, not in the realm of horror, really. But there's a lot of questions that go unanswered in that movie. And, you know, it was great. It, it's good to get on a, a chat site or, a, or like in a text thread with your buddies and just kind of chop it up and try to f- solve the mystery. Sometimes that's fun. So I don't need it necessarily solved. But I don't know. Th- these ones were so uh, – it was just such a big – scene at, at that time of the movie and i was just like oh we're just not gonna come back to that all right well moving on um so yeah i mean some of the characters were thin i i didn't necessarily in it this this may be on me but i didn't necessarily understand martin's character completely in terms of the uh like why i, I know he was protecting i thought he might have just been like a backwoods guy but the other your your, your crew your posse were so backwoods and then you're just <laughs> such an alarmingly different character than them <laughs> i'm like how do all these men even yeah, yeah. know each other and hang out like what he's he's very old is he yeah oh because yeah, he looks like a 25 year old guy in a bald cap yeah, no. is he human that was my question whoa 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 whoa, whoa. in a bald cap oh you you shaved your head <laughs> yeah that one no that one no bald cap oh uh, uh, hey method I use a safety razor on it do not ever use a safety razor on your head so you cut your head open oh i did and then i had tons of uh, makeup placed on on it so. there was a lot of makeup going on yeah, it, it hurt i actually thought the makeup work on this was nice i i, I made a comment the 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 first the first tenant that uh slices his neck i thought he uh, i was like oh okay you know they, do, they don't necessarily show it uh, walking dead style but they uh you know they, they kind of do a zoom out of them i thought that was nice i saw i thought some of the other moments uh of gore were were actually pretty well done so you were scared yeah i closed my eyes i said okay <laughs> you know you get lots of coughing up blood it's classic coughing up blood on yourself yeah mm-hmm. so, so it's always good to see <laughs> I know which I know exactly which shot you're talking about, and I was standing right there, <laughs> I'd probably pulling focus on that. And <laughs> it was hilarious. We had such a good laugh at that because that guy, it was he just had the the biggest mouthful of the shit, <laughs> way too much, and he did cough, and it did just go. <laughs> so we we had a we had a good laugh about that. A uh, quick shout out to uh, Jeremy Sellenfriend who uh, designed the creature, uh, the creatures for the film, and Lisa Forrest who applied all the makeup on set, and they're both really tremendous. Uh, yeah, that, that would have been the biggest cut of the budget, I think, was going yeah. toward that stuff because it was like full body appliances for he and Danny and. Uh, yes, because there are some dream sequences where people take the part of these monsters that are in their their. Yeah dreams or uh, just visions that they have and yeah yeah so they're they're kind of they're a mix between the trolls from troll 2 and the demagogan from uh who's the uh, stranger stranger things yes because they you know they don't they don't oh they have eyes so yeah they they're not necessarily demagogan but they have these mouths that open up and jagged teeth everywhere and you know your your general indie spooky horror creature so yeah. Yeah. It was uh it was fun, cool 
it was really fun to watch. Like, because how long did it take you to get into that shit? Like, uh, five hours? Th- yeah, for Danny, for the, the, the makeup for Danny and, and when I had to get into it, it was five hours of makeup, and then uh, I ended up shooting for about five hours. Yeah, and then you're in you're in the woods in yeah. your underpants. Yeah, yeah. In your in your makeup. He's on an air mattress with me on top of him. And oh, man. I can I can show you all sorts of great set photos too. I have them all. Yeah, we'll put them up on the website. Uh, so, um, <laughs> uh, are there any are there any other just like great classic horror or classic uh, yeah. indie movie yeah. stories that you guys have, where it's like we weren't really allowed to shoot yeah. here, so we ended up just uh, running in there till they kicked us out, or any, or any any just general stories that you guys like to tell? So, yeah, so there's a there's a couple of those directly related to what you were suggesting, and one of them was that uh, there is a popular retailer. Um, let's say uh, that rhymes with med- oh yeah sure red rhymes with med math red, and you on and uh, that's where they were and uh, so we stole all those shots uh, there was a GoPro uh, attached to one of the shopping carts and she would just basically did all the shots in that store in the movie were done in one like maybe about a half an hour 45 minute period and so he would just be like, okay, now you're going to be doing this scene, and now you're going to be doing this scene. We, they just did it, and they uh, they kind of got wise to them about halfway through, and they still ended up being able to get through a couple more shots and uh, had to, like, claim that the camera was off and all this kind of stuff, and, and so they got through it. We also stole some scenes on the uh, subway as well because the MTA doesn't like uh, – it wants you to have permits, and they didn't have permits. Yeah, yeah that's bad. I can assume – there's so many indie movies that are made in New York. I'm I'm certain that almost all of them – are permitless even uh even we went and saw don't think twice with mike perbiglia and oh, yeah. keegan michael key and i mean that's that's not the the forty thousand dollar budget that's i mean it's still an indie movie but yeah. you know they've got money and they still oh, yeah. shot on the on the subway without permission those are movie stars yeah. you know what i mean so it's just like i yeah you guys are fine you shouldn't have to worry about either of those things happening so the uh, this one's more specific to the film because this is not not for every indie movie. But th- so this one, there are a lot of scenes that take place in the bathroom, and uh, just so happens that the uh, apartment that is primarily utilized in the film was my apartment in New York. It was where I lived for ten years, oh. and uh, that bathroom is indeed about four feet by about nine feet, and it is uh, incredibly small. And that's with a bathtub, a sink, and a toilet in there. So there's not a lot of walking space. There's about a foot and a half worth of walking space next to the tub, and there's, there's not a lot of square footage to walk on. And at times we had uh, four crew members, meaning uh, Jaron, uh, Karis, the screenwriter, um, uh, myself, Martin, and Danny, all in that bathroom. Um, one of, you know, and the sound guy. Hold, so holding the boom, operating the camera, pulling focus. Uh, Martin was probably working on focus. Um, I was holding a bounce probably. Danny was acting. And Karis was just making sure that the shot looks good on the monitor. And we were all in that bathroom, teeny tiny bathroom. So we had to do the creative angles. Uh, like Bobby said earlier, we'd, he had to do lots of crazy angles because otherwise it would be super boring. And uh, my temporary roommate at the time, not my amazing roommate who I lived with for eight years, but my, the guy who uh, moved in after he moved out to live with his wife, um, he, uh, he decided to come home one day because he, uh, he didn't feel comfortable going to the bathroom where he had gone to the bathroom. And he knew that we were shooting this day. And uh, so we were all in the bathroom getting some shots done. He comes back. I see in his face he'd forgotten that we were going to be shooting that day. And he has this look on his face. He goes into his room, and about 10 minutes later, he's like, guys, I have to go to the bathroom. And so we all had to leave the bathroom. (laughs) He did what he had to do. He left shortly thereafter, did not stay in the apartment. He just went back to whatever he was doing. With shame. 
Uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, left us all in the lurch, so to speak. So we all had to um, continue to work in that bathroom because we did not have a lot of time. And uh, it was it was a particularly trying day for everybody on the crew and cast. So those tears Danny had yes. were not necessarily welling of emotion in her in her present circumstance. It could have possibly been. In a bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yeah. What it was because we had one bathroom on set and it happened to be the bathroom that prime everybody. location of the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. that is that's a winner. That's great. I, I have a ton of them because it was my place. So there was lots of drama that happened with shooting uh, with a full, with a not a full crew, but a crew of people. Uh, you know, half the apartment was empty, and so the other half had to all be moved into my living space, like my bedroom, which is also tiny, uh, the hallway, and my roommate's bedroom. And so there was just all the crap was just piled over everywhere in that other room to make the other room, the other part side of the apartment, look empty. And That's uh, so, so cool. that was exciting for a month and a half. Uh, and then we had a crazy downstairs neighbor right in the beginning of the film when Danny's moving into the apartment. The first thing she lugs up is a mattress, a new mattress that she had bought for the place. And uh, she opens the door. She's huffing and puffing and groaning and grunting, trying to lug this thing into the apartment. And then the, uh, the mattress slams onto the ground. And uh, the, down- the neighbor that was below us happened to also have some mental issues. And I had experienced this a few weeks prior to this. And uh, she came up. And, you know, rightfully so. We were making a lot of noise. She came up and yelled at us. Um, and uh, ended up calling uh, our landlord, and Preston. Well, yeah, in, in the film, but the real life Preston uh, called them up, and, and we ended up uh, getting a little bit uh, just skating by because thankfully I was able to ride on her mental stability to be able mm-hmm. to like uh, shrug it off a little bit. So we were able to scoot by barely with that one. That's that's so cool, man. And and I, you know, as I was watching it, I I got a little jealous because uh, I've never been involved in any sort of filmmaking process and i'm such a fan of film and you know we do theater and that's one thing we just closed the show last weekend and i get sentimental because once the show closes is gone you know and it is it is only in your memory and it is only in the memory of the people who saw it and it's a very special uh bond you share with a with an audience that that sees something live but it also goes away and you know with this uh with this project and you know kind of the similar conversations i've had with ellen uh it lasts forever it like it literally lasts forever and it's something you guys can sit and and get together on the couch with your kids one day 10 15 years 20 years however long it takes you to make kids um and i know martin's got one on the way but you can watch this you can you can tell these same stories and <laughs> surprise martin <laughs> Don't you have a, don't you have a son, or somebody isn't someone pregnant? I have a cat. Oh, <laughs> well, we'll fix this in editing. Um, but yeah, you can you can uh, get you know you can get together and and watch it and it, it lasts forever, man. And and uh, you know it's it's really cool and I and it's it's awesome that you guys had the the passion to go do it and and congratulations and and congratulations to Jerron too so uh with that said anybody else have any other thoughts on it before we move into trivia land oh, great music too by the way we didn't really talk about the soundtrack oh yes yeah adam actually what did they ask him to do they were like hey we need some filler music will we make a trailer for this and he put together a few things and they were like oh uh, how about you do the whole soundtrack for the movie so he did for for free and that's a really cool soundtrack bobby you're a musician did you notice anything about the soundtrack um i did actually it's got a lot of like the 80s synth sounds um 
being a horror fan, a uh, movie that came out last year, It Follows. Oh, yeah, yeah. I really that liked It Follows. Like horror fans flipped out about it because it has like the whole like 80s synthy vibe like like dings and dongs like just looming bass notes and that was definitely prominent prominent in this movie too i'm all about it i thought it was sweet. yeah it follows and we just mentioned stranger things but they have they get that's was a huge part of that was the opening trailer sequence or the whole opening uh title card sequence yeah so uh, I was, I mean, that was what I mean. This isn't about Stranger Things, but that that the soundtrack for as soon as the opening credits came on, I was in yeah. love because it's just the music. I was like, oh, that's that's everything. And the font too. They have yeah. the best, best font. Well, Curtin had red letters. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. The, uh, so a- Adam Adam Scarrett was uh, who composed the music. He uh, he got a lot of laud laudits from a lot of the people who wrote reviews because of the. How, how true he was to the genre and kind of that harkening back to that 80s sound, the 80s synth sound. And he was really, he was kind of like the, uh, he was kind of the ringer we didn't know we had until until he had produced all this stuff in almost no time. Yeah, he did a great job. Yeah, and that goes back, you asked a question earlier about what it's like to watch yourself on film versus in a play. And although it just sucks horrible, horrible, gnarly, poop-covered balls to <laughs> watch yourself act, a lot of times when you're watching yourself act in the movie, you're watching the completed version for the first time. So you're also watching it with music and lighting and color correction. Yeah. You're watching with everything. So although it sucks when you're on screen, uh, it's, it's also pretty awesome because you get to see all your hard work with all these other things on it. And you're like, yeah, and that's uh, that's the that's the thing. Uh, you know, I host an Oscar party every year, and you know, I, my my dad always used to say like, "Oh, why don't they just give the actors and the directors award and just get over with it and it'd be twenty minutes?" And I'm like, "Well, in order to complete the movie that you love, there is a photographer, and that's called a cinematographer, Dad, and that's really really important to the mood in which it's not just the actor that's doing it, and also the composer. Uh, you know, that's bringing mood into a scene that otherwise could be moodless. And you know, there's so many people in so many, uh, uh, not necessarily in your production, but 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 like there are just a lot of people behind the scenes that aren't necessarily appreciated that are that aren't actors or even writers or directors that help bring that thing together. And 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 when especially if you work on it and you see those people and you meet those people in in the flesh and you just really can appreciate that work yeah, and you get to watch it without that stuff and then with it on i mean it, there's no movie till all that stuff is done really well there's there's no movie mm-hmm. it's incredible it. how much it adds to it sometimes it's literally night and day yeah um a composer can take a shitty performance from me and make it incredible as strange as that sounds and it was incredible. Great. Well, so everybody, please go run to your Amazon Prime or your iTunes and check out The Gateway in America. And Pervertigo, which I'm going to have to check out, too. I'm going to have you back, Martin. Are you in Pervertigo, Tim? No, but I, I, if I could participate or just watch, I'd, I'd love to watch it again. Yeah. Totally okay. different movie. Okay. And is Danny in Pervertigo? No. Okay, well, she's she's not invited then. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, for trivia today, we are going to play a little game called Taglines. And this is a game that Bobby knows and Caitlin knows, and you guys will learn shortly. But it's simply, I just read you the tagline of a movie, and you try to tell me what movie that tagline was from. 
Cool. Yep. All right. So, um, the first one will I'll I'll it's a little lengthy, but it's just to get us started. But it is something beyond comprehension is happening to a girl on this street in this house. A man has been sent for as a last resort. The man is. I'll say it again. Something beyond comprehension is happening to a girl on this street in this house. A man has been sent for as a last resort. That man is... Demolition Man. <laughs> no! <laughs> I don't know. I'll give you guys hints. Most of these are horror-themed. Or horror-themed, excuse yeah. me. Well, uh, I, th- I thought... No, it's right not Nightmare on Elm Street. No. Dark man? Wow, I thought this was going to be the easy one. Uh-oh. That is the exorcist. That man is the oh. exorcist. Yeah, great. Okay, all right. The second one. She put up a shower curtain, ellipsis. Bad idea. Uh, that would be curtain. Or ah, yes, curtain! Or the gateway in the United States and or North Korea. Correct. Did you get that one, Kaylin? Yes. All right, nice job. Okay. It knows what scares you. It knows what scares you. Oh, you know what? Uh, I wanted to say Friday the 13th, but I think it's that other movie that actually that I, I never saw it, but the preview is amazing, and I'm not sure if, it, if I have the right one. Uh, but it's about... The Babadook or something? No, it's not The Babadook. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, uh, do, you ha- do, you, do you know this movie relatively well? or do you know? Yes, about? yes, I have seen this movie several oh! times. About like five or six years ago? <laughs> Possibly. I don't know the name of I'll, I'll, here's a hint. It was remade recently. Oh, oh, what? It's a it's a horror film from the '80s. It knows what scares you. The Poltergeist. Uh, I was gonna say it. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay, this one is, the night he came home. I I, I do know the answer. You want me to? Well, do you guys want to guess? Before Bobby, the night he came home. Oh, uh, would Mike, would that be Mike Myers? And so that is Halloween. Hey, ding, ding, ding! We got one. That is uh all I had in terms of the taglines for horror film. So we got two. Oh, you're sad you didn't get one. Well, we're going to play one more game, and that is Last Man Standing. Uh, so the way this game is played is we all collaborately decide on an actor. We go around the circle. If you can't, you try to name a movie. Same movie that gets named twice, you're eliminated. If you can't think of one in a decent amount of time, you're eliminated. And uh, we go around until there's a last man standing. So in the in the uh, celebra- in the name of horror, is there any uh, any horror god that we want to use? Anybody off the top of our head? Wow. Mike Myers, the comedian oh, actor. Oh, We're gonna use yes, uh, yes, Mike Myers, the com- the comedian. We're gonna go with him, and uh, it's a little bit of a curveball, but we're gonna get into it. Let me see if I'm trying to think about if he's been in a horror movie. Okay, we got some. Uh, well, we'll start. We'll start with Martin. Okay, I have to name a movie he's in. Yes. Wayne's World Two. Okay. Love Guru. Oh. Wayne's World. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> um, 
Can you edit this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the one with the little short guy? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I can't help. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, Alright, sorry. Zondi's been eliminated. That's... What is it? Austin Powers. Yeah. <laughs> that was yours. So that's oh, yeah. I can, I can use it. What am I naming now? Just any more Mike Myers movies. We oh, keep going. So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, great movie. We talked about that in the wedding episode. Yeah, that's going to be mine. So the next one would be uh, Austin Powers' Gold Member. <laughs> oh, we're going to go through the whole, the whole canon. <laughs> Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. The Cat in the Hat. Oh, Jesus. Studio, or uh, uh, 54. Yeah, yeah, it's called 54. Shrek. Trying not to continue that. Um, <laughs> fuck it, Shrek two. <laughs> Damn it, we're gonna be here all day. Uh, mine was now that now that I'm off. Uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, great. oh, my God. Balls. Um. Uh. The spy who shagged me. <laughs> Did we say that one already? All right, you're oh. out, Martin. Man, I'm drawing a blank now. If you think of one, you're going to be the winner of this. Uh, I don't have anything. I don't no? have anything. Oh, wow, we're failing now. Shrek the third. Oh, there's a third. Damn it. Okay. Mystery Alaska. Come on, Mike Myers. Uh, you've been a lot of comedies. Mystery Alaska, he plays a... Uh, a hockey announcer. It's a movie about like Alaskan hockey players that play the Rangers, and he's like a Canadian hockey announcer. I just keep picturing Mike Myers cross-eyed for some reason. Do you play a cross-eyed character? Oh my god. Uh, what was that movie? Now that I'm not, now I'm thinking about that movie. That makes me think. I just third piece my cousin. I'm blanking so hard. We've done all the sequels of movies he's done. Um, I think I'm out, man. I can't think of any. You got another one? Um, shit, because now I'm like hung up on Bobby's. It's with Gwyneth Paltrow, and she's a, a flight attendant. Um, oh. But I'm trying to think. Of, I, I want to say up in the air, but that's George Clooney. Yeah, Emphasis on the wrong syllable. So it was. Uh, I, I can't. I can't put my finger on the name of that damn movie. So uh, let me think. Is there anything else I have, Mike Myers? Uh, all right, Bobby. What is it? The movie you're thinking of is a View from the Top. A View from the Top. Yeah, we'll end on that. Yeah. So I gave you everything you needed except yeah, the title. Exactly. Um, View from the Top. Uh, actually, not a bad movie. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I guess in terms of the gateway, that's a wrap guys. Uh, congratulations again, everybody, please go see it. These guys are great. These guys are funny and they were a pleasure to work with and a uh, pleasure to have on the air today. So from Martin Monahan and Tim Lukey and Bobby Peterson and Caitlin Zondor with Leo. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 You can't ask.